5: ...to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier, so let's find out why. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Inside the Mind of Champions. This week we're going to be exploring the power of purpose. I hope you've had a great couple of weeks since the last episode... Thanks so much to everyone for their positive emails and feedback about the Gareth Southgate episode. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. He's definitely come under a bit of fire in the last week following the Scotland game, but as we know, he's resilient and he's got a really strong connection with his team, so I'm sure they're all going to bounce back in the coming matches. Remember that if you want to get in touch regarding this podcast or any keynotes or digital content or webinars for your own business, then the best place to get hold of me is via email at hello at sportingedge.com. The content for today's podcast is taken from a webinar I hosted a couple of weeks ago for our members club. We had a cracking interactive session exploring the role that purpose plays in our personal and organizational performance. Here's a flavour of what's ahead.
6: I think it's really important for leaders today to see themselves as ethical and moral leaders, as custodians of the future.
4: So what I'm looking for all the time is, are your products bringing together all that is best for the customer, the planet and society?
0: What we will present will celebrate the human capacity and and the imagination and then will eventually inspire people to push themselves or to go somewhere else. When they leave, they will be uh, fired up with that intention to do something.
2: I think in a way, stories are the most powerful forces in shaping our culture and our cultures shape our lives.
1: No time for smoothing feathers and having a great time. And no, 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 you know, how is this boat going to go quicker?
5: So we've all heard this word purpose banded around our organizations and there's been so much written about it in blogs and books. Those of you who followed Simon Sinek's work with his great book Start With Why, will understand this more. It's this reason why we're doing something, reason why it's done, why it's been created, why our organization exists in the first place that's so powerful. And we can get so trapped in either what we're doing Um, trying to define it and and justify it or how we're going to do it, how we're going to build this strategy, how we're going to execute it, all the processes and systems that we need to execute our plan. But we rarely look at this more intangible area of why, what is the purpose? And that's our reason for being. So it's interesting to think about why this is becoming important at the moment at this particular point in time. How do we make our purpose more tangible and how do high performing organizations really leverage their purpose to drive performance? They are some of the key areas that I'm fascinated in. The point about purpose coming to the fore now, I think, is really relevant because it's almost like the pandemic has caused this great pause for reflection. We've had to face our own mortality and that really puts things into perspective for us. We start to work out what's really important in life and we start to rethink our lives and rethink our businesses and the value they deliver. And this means that we've also started to think about longer term collaboration where we might have been previously just thinking about that busyness and that blur the smash and grab world of the pre pandemic where we were just looking after our own business or our own ego or our own drives and motivations, but actually purpose, I think is something that's overarched this pandemic about how are we going to cope with these threats to our societies, how are we going to work together, how are we going to keep each other safe, and how can we make sure that our products and services are delivering great value to people and making a difference to people's lives i think That's what the Great Pause has done for us. But purpose isn't just something that senior leaders should be thinking about. It's also important to employees as well. And McKinsey did an organizational purpose survey in 2019 and found that 82% of employees said that it's important to have a purpose. 72% said that purpose should receive more weight than profit. So that's really high. And then 62% said their organizations have a purpose statement. So we're starting to drop down now. Only 62% have a purpose statement, even though we're saying it's really important. And 42% said their organization's purpose statement drives impact. And that's really interesting that it may be articulated. It may be on a brochure. It may be above the reception in some of these businesses that were part of this research But is it actually driving performance and driving impact? That's a completely different matter. So some of these somewhere, these links between purpose, this ability to do good for society and for the environment and to do something worthwhile is actually being lost when it's translated back into the working environment to drive performance with individuals, with teams and with parts of the business that are critical. I also saw some other research, which is called Profits with Purpose, how organising for sustainability can benefit the bottom line. And that showed that out of a 1,000 CEOs that were surveyed, 84% agreed that businesses should lead all the efforts to address global sustainability challenges. So not waiting for governments or different organisations, it should actually be the businesses that lead the way in this purpose-driven sustainability. And 89% of companies with high ESG ratings, so that's environmental, social and governance risks ratings, outperform the market in the medium and long term. So this is businesses that have this ethical and sustainability at their core, they're outperforming other businesses. And we can also see that investment in socially responsible businesses are growing someone suggests, over 400%. And there's been a 22% increase in socially responsible investment over the last three years. So some huge factors there which show the rise and the importance of purpose-driven organisations. And it's not just a, a nice, fluffy slogan that should be hanging in in uh, glittery lights above your reception. It's actually about making it hard commercial sense and driving that into the mindsets and the strategies of each of the team leaders down through the organization as well. So our first insight today comes from Mike Barry, who's a strategic advisor, a speaker, and a thought leader on sustainable business. Mike made his name by designing and delivering the Marks and Spencer's sustainability strategy called Plan A, because in brackets, there was no plan B. In this insight, he challenges us to think about what our businesses stand for.
4: Purpose is all about product and service,
5: all about it. So if
4: you are selling an electric car that's better for the planet and for the customer, that to me is purpose. You're doing something that's great for your customer, but you're doing something that's great for the planet as well. If you're just going off on a group exercise once a year, just to paint a school for a a day, that's not purpose. That's a bit of greenwash, isn't it? So what what I'm looking for all the time is are your products bringing together all that is best for the customer, the planet and society? I've used examples of Allbirds. I've used them of Tesla, Impossible Foods, Memphis Meat. All these businesses that are redefining what it means to be a business. Now, interestingly, they're all startups in some shape or form, even though Tesla is now the biggest car company in the world by valuation. How do you retrofit purpose to a business that's been around for 50, 60, 70, 80 years? That's the great conundrum. And I think the businesses, again, I use the example of Unilever, because people talk about Paul Pullman, the leader, an amazing man, not just because he was evangelical about the right thing for the planet. He fundamentally saved Unilever and made them relevant for a new marketplace. He spotted that they had a series of quite tired brands that weren't relevant to people, being out-competed by cheaper private label versions from supermarkets. What did Unilever stand for? Where was it going? And Paul said, for me to remain a premium brand that can extract a slightly higher price from the customer, it's not just about innovation and great product capability, it's about standing for something. So he set Unilever on a mission that Alan Jope is now taking forward, that every single one of its individual brands have got to stand for something relevant to their customers. Not through purpose-washing consultancy, by living and breathing it every day. Paul reinvented Unilever and saved
5: Unilever by using purpose in the right way. So Mike explains that purpose, product and consumer are inextricably linked and that companies that both understand that and can execute against it are at an absolute advantage. The point about value is interesting because whether you're a farm shop charging premium prices for the good provenance of the food or a global business like Unilever, considering their impact on the world, both of these are used in purpose to differentiate themselves and ultimately the customer will decide. And I think during the pandemic, the customer's mindset has changed. We want our food to come from a more ethical source. We want our businesses to be, you know, having less of an impact on the planet. And we want to think about social good, bringing people together rather than the smash and grab world that we were used to. So interestingly, Unilever's purpose statement is, our purpose is to make sustainable living commonplace. It's why we come to work. It's why we're in business. So you can hear that purpose is woven into the business and through the business. It's not a sideshow. It is the show. So I suppose it's a good time for us to reflect on our own organisations. Perhaps you could score your own organization's purpose out of 10. How clear is it in your organisation? Is it a two or three, something you remember being spoken at at a conference three or four years ago? Or is it 10 out of 10? Is it something that's interwoven into every conversation, every business strategic decision, every team meeting brings in the customer's voice or the impact on society or the environment. So those questions are really important. How much does your team or your business help your consumer or your audience? How much does it impact on the planet in a positive or negative way? And how much impact are you having on your local community or wider society? These are becoming increasingly important metrics aside from just the P&L That we're used to monitoring. So it seems obvious that purpose should be a central driving force in our cultures, but there's so many barriers to establishing purpose at the front and centre of everything that we do, because very often our purpose can feel like a false marketing hook that's been cast on us by a marketing agency that tells us who we are and why our business exists. It's trying to be catchy or it's got a particular you know, ringtone or something to it, that it's lost its authenticity and it's not really in context. The second thing is that it can be stuck in the hierarchy with brochures and, you know, senior meetings and the stories and the evidence and the goals haven't really come down through the organization to make it part of that weekly and daily heartbeat of the organization. Then it it's not really embedded into the habits and rhythms and conversations. And it's also not used as a result of that to drive decisions. So we can't say that this is a purpose driven, this is our purpose, we're doing it, or this is not against, this is in you know compromising our purpose, so we're not going to do it. All this is about having a very clear view of what we stand for, and that allows us then to make better decisions as a result. So we all want motivated teams in our organization and that can be split down into the direction of our motivation. Where are we aiming for? The intensity of our motivation. How passionate do I feel about it? And then the persistence of our effort. How long can we sustain our motivation? Now our strategy can help our heads to get into the right space, but often our purpose is the thing that really connects at an emotional level that helps our direction of motivation, our intensity of motivation and that persistence of effort that keeps us motivated for a long period of time. You'll probably have heard the story in other podcast episodes of the South African cricket team that I was lucky to work with uh, a few years ago. They had the goal of getting to number one in the world rankings and That was their focus. That was all their discretional effort. The players were selfless in striving to get to that goal. But as soon as they reached the pinnacle, their motivation changed. It was like we needed to find something bigger than winning and bigger than being number one in the test rankings to sustain their motivation and through all the adversity and sacrifice that was needed. And that's where purpose came into play. And when we found this purpose-driven culture, based on the Swahili, authentic African philosophy of Ubuntu. The idea that you can't judge your success in life by your business card or your car or your salary. The only way you can look at your success in life is by the impact you have on other people. The South African cricket team had seven different cultures in it and a chance to really inspire the rainbow nation of what was possible. And when that purpose was put front and center in the team culture, everyone started to think about the impact they were having on each other within the team and also the role models and the message that they were sending out to their communities and to the nation at large. And when purpose was at the front and center, they managed to stay at the top of the world rankings for several years. So that motivation wasn't just to win the next game or to win this tournament. It was actually to give their whole country hope. And that's not something that can be achieved over a weekend or a season or even through one individual player's career. It's much more enduring. And that's why purpose can maintain our performance and motivation for much longer than financial rewards. Purpose can also galvanize diverse groups of people. And I love the case study of Cirque du Soleil, with 4,000 employees from 45 different nationalities and 10 different disciplines. They're all incredible individual talented stars, but they come together to deliver an incredible performance. I caught up with Bernard Petois, who's the vice president of performance at Cirque du Soleil, and he talked to me about the founding principles that bring everyone together.
0: The, the the vision globally, uh, you know, I like it's it's written, it's a f- couple of words. I mean, it's few key words that that are part of of uh, how we do things, or or for which we will refer. Okay, when we do an, a, a new show, we, we will ask ourselves: uh, Do we have a moment that we're provoking the status quo? Do we have a moment that we're we're evoking something? Okay. Do we have a a, a moment that we uh, we carry the notion of uh, us human being being dreamers, okay? Not uh, you know dreamers in the sense the pure sense of the word. So we will we will go back to these key words and then look at what we propose on the stage and and, and actually uh, reflect on what we're offering or what we are, tr- are trying to create and if it offers this this opportunity and if. And it will generate a lot of debates. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and but that's those are very um, strong and inspiring words. It's summarized with three words: uh, evoking, uh, invoking, and provoking. Uh, uh, evoking the imagination, uh, invoking senses, and, and provoking. Provoking is is really part of of philosophy of G is is is, um, is presenting something that will will uh, challenge the status quo uh, you know creating that surprise uh, so that's part of let's see that that mission of who we are and and what the uh, the, the, the company uh, promotes um, one other thing also that is very very important in in uh, in the Cirque du Soleil let's see employees and staff is is inspire is to make sure that what we will present will celebrate the human capacity and and the imagination and then will eventually inspire people to push themselves or to go somewhere else when they leave they they they, they, they will be uh, fired up with uh with that intention to to do something
5: well i don't know if you've ever been to a Cirque du Soleil show i've been very lucky to go to a few and each time i've walked out of there thinking i could either be a contortionist or some kind of acrobat uh doing parkour around the streets of london when i've been to watch it which would have probably resulted in either a hamstring tear or a massive embarrassment in front of my family. So I chose neither. But that ability to celebrate human potential and that emotional disruption, I think is a really unique and compelling purpose for Cirque du Soleil. That ability to evoke the audience's emotions and to provoke their imagination. So if your whole show is designed around that emotional disturbance that you want people walking out of there feeling like a superhero and that anything is possible for human beings, then that's an incredible gift to be able to give somebody in that sort of two hour show that they've got going on. And clearly by staying true to that and dialing that up wherever possible, that purpose has driven 90 million spectators in 200 cities worldwide and an annual revenue of over a billion US dollars. So that's not just about a nice slogan, that's about purpose, driving, bringing these incredibly diverse and talented individuals together to deliver this emotional disruption for the consumer, for the audience, so that it changes their mindset and helps them to go out into the world thinking that more is possible. But by delivering that central purpose, what everybody else is doing is the ego of each of those individual stars that might be an absolute legend as a juggler or an acrobat or a contortionist or a clown. None of us can name one of the stars in Cirque du Soleil. We just know the show. So the purpose is that central driving force that decreases the volume of the ego of individuals and amplifies that central impact that they have on their audience. I always find purpose a really fascinating area to work with corporate clients or sporting clients on, because for me as an international cricketer, I often felt that no one was really talking about the vulnerabilities and the challenges and the, you know, the mental game. Everyone was talking about the tactics and the techniques. So I became fascinated about how the best thinkers in the world, how the best performers in the world were actually breaking those skills down into something very practical that they could repeat time after time to deliver their best game. And obviously, Sporting Edge has been really set up to go in search of those champions insights and curate them back so that more of us that are ambitious corporate executives or entrepreneurs or sports coaches can replicate the thinking of these world-class performers. So I guess our purpose has always been to make these mental skills and strategies more available, make people talk more about their mental game and help them to be happier, healthier, and more successful in their own uh, jobs. That's really been our purpose. But through our new members club and opening up all the video insights that we've filmed over the last decade to lots of executives and entrepreneurs around the world, we found that People are really starting to enjoy having their thinking and their mindset stretched in different areas of their performance or their leadership. Because I think we can all, especially when we're working on our own, can be so ingrained in our own habits and our own bias and the way we assume things and the way we expect things to turn out, that it's actually quite nice to be tested by You know, world class experts from different domains, different industries like Mike Barry or Bernard that we've heard from already today, just giving us some different perspectives. So that's an added benefit, really, from our members club that I think people have spoken about with our purpose being to keep people's thinking being stretched and keeping them future proofed, if you like, with all the different elements that we need to consider to be successful in our own careers So I just wanted to give you that opportunity again to go to sportingedge.com forward slash membership. And if you want to use the podcast 50 discount code in the checkout there, you'll get your first month for half price in our members club. Come and check it out. You'll have immediate access to over 700 of these two minute videos, each with a high performance strategy. So they're in your fingertips. If you need a difficult conversation or you've got to recruit a diverse team, whatever it might be, or you want to learn more about purpose, you can just type that in and they're all there waiting for you, those videos. And also, uh, you'll be part of our community. So when we have our next event, uh, you can enjoy discussing and networking with other like-minded people that are tackling exactly the same issues as you, but maybe from a different standpoint. So Use the podcast 50 discount code. And uh, here's a little bit more information about how you can get involved.
3: During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from elite sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums and events. Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.
5: So another key area where purpose can help to drive performance is where it really helps us to start sharpening our focus. You know, many of us are so busy, we're juggling so many different balls in the air at one time and we're spinning so many plates that it actually becomes quite difficult sometimes to realise what we're aiming for in the first place. And this next insight from four times gold medal winning Olympic rower, Sir Matthew Pinsent, gives us a great insight into how his high-performing teams that won all those medals used a very simple question to focus on their purpose, to make sure that they were doing exactly what they needed to stay true to their strategy.
1: If anything, in rowing, a a poor team is one that doesn't face up to its issues. It's not honest enough to say, look, we're, we're going down the wrong route here because either the dynamic of communication between them was poor or the leadership, the, 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 the captain or the coach wasn't strong enough or broad enough to have a culture of, look, if you've got an issue, come and see me. Either that was wrong uh, or people weren't experienced enough to know that, tra- that the trajectory isn't wrong, um, isn't right rather. Um, and so that would be, for me, the defining feature of a a poor rowing boat a good one is absolutely brutal in its honesty no time for smoothing feathers and having a great time and no 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 no. you know how is this boat going to go quicker who's got an idea why aren't we doing it what's slowing us down those are all really important topics that you're talking about on a daily basis if not two or three times a day
5: so i love the simplicity of that question is it making the boat go faster? Because if it isn't, why are we doing it? And I know so many businesses are so complicated with dotted lines and different projects and different investment lines and all the different processes and complications that come with it. But surely at a team level, we should have some key fundamental priorities. And we should be able to say, if this isn't aiding one of those priorities that we've already set out as being our core purpose for existing in the next month, then why are we doing it? Why are we having this meeting over here when we should be over here? And they're really interesting questions to have. So our purpose can be a filter for, you know, we said we're going to be uh, have a much lower impact on the environment with our plastics or whatever it might be. So therefore. Why are we building this plastic product here? Why can't we go back to that core philosophy and that core purpose and make sure that we stay true to that in every decision as we come through? And not only does it become a focus for our decision making, but it can also be an ethical lens and it can make sure that it becomes our moral compass where our purpose is actually guiding the choices that we make so that we stay true to our reputation and have some integrity. And Professor Tammy Erickson from the London Business School has a great insight on this from her research and her experiences in working with hundreds of executives as they come through London Business School.
6: I think it's really important for leaders today to see themselves as ethical and moral leaders, as custodians of the future. And one of the reasons is increasingly your younger employees will absolutely demand it. Uh, The youngest generation today, people who haven't necessarily quite gotten into the workforce, kind of 20 and under, were very much influenced by the financial crises that we saw in the late 2000s. They know all about things like, or they've heard about things like Greek debt and uh, economic, uh, you know, catastrophes and so forth. They don't necessarily understand it, but they know it's something the world faces. They also know that um, there are tremendous environmental challenges. They probably know more about carbon and water and energy and so forth than, than most adults do, and they worry about those things. When I do research with kids who are, say, 13 to 15, they tell me today their number, two, their top two concerns are the economy and the environment, and when I ask them what they think will be the biggest problems that they will have to face when they become leaders. They say the economy and the environment. They don't think we're gonna get it together. They don't trust us to fix it. But I can absolutely certain that they're going to hold their leaders responsible for behaviors that are consistent with those values. They don't want to work for organizations that are fiscally questionable. They want to work for organizations they can feel proud of, and they want to work for organizations that take the environment seriously and have a serious commitment to doing their share, uh, to conserving the resources we have.
5: So not only can this be a moral compass, but it can also be a brilliant tool for attracting talent, for people that have got this curiosity and this hunger to work for an organization that is good for society, good for the economy, good for the environment. You know, that's a great place to be for somebody who's been studying and training and got all that passion and motivation. They want to throw themselves into the workplace, but they want to work for somebody and a, an organization that is has a strong ethical core. And again, in recent years, we've seen diesel emissions being corrupted in, in the car industry. We've been seeing LIBOR rates being fixed in the financial services. We've seen the Cambridge Analytica data scandal with Facebook. And we've seen these short-term manipulations for personal gain rather than being for the environment or for society and you know the wider impact and the longer-term impact and success of society. And definitely, if anything's happened during this pandemic, then it's people have become more sensitive to it and they've become more attuned to it. So these elements are only going to get stronger and more important for business in the future. But the challenge for us, as we mentioned at the beginning, is that it's quite hard to translate our purpose from a statement that's been designed at the top table and translated down through an organization. So we really need to look for authentic stories, both inside the business and from the impact that we're having on the environment, or on our customers, or on our local society. And those stories can then start to keep the momentum around our purpose and help us to live into it. And this is beautifully articulated by the best-selling author, James Kerr, as he explains the power of stories in leadership.
2: I think, in a way, stories are the most powerful forces in shaping our culture, and our cultures shape our lives. You know, when... I've just been in in, uh, in at Everest Everest base camp, following up on an, on a um, on the earthquake and the avalanches that came and the when the earthquakes hit, everybody in that country referred to films to describe what they'd seen. It was like a disaster movie, it was like a, it was like Armageddon. that was and specific things. So they referred to common stories. Um, that that was the thing that everybody had in common and the thing. What stories bring is a sense of huge commonality, is that everybody invests in the same story, one form or another. And good corporate cultures or good um, sporting cultures um, are, are really small stories, short stories in a way. You know, the All Blacks to leave the jersey in a better place. There's a wonderful little kind of purpose. It's a, there's a story in there that, that becomes that kind of matrix of meaning. And, um, and so it's a short circuit of the way, what, what the psychologist would call a heuristic, that, that helps us understand our role in something bigger than ourselves. And that's tremendously powerful stuff and in a way we're all creating fictions all the time. Even a company is a fiction, you know, a legal fiction. Um, so understanding that we create these constructions of meanings and then live into those meanings, you know, first we shape the culture and then the culture shapes us. First we tell a story and then the story, the story tells us. Um, Uh, is a very powerful way of looking at leadership because it's the it's the original you know version 1.0 of how to try to persuade people to do stuff is tell them a story about why it's important show what a hero looks like um, people understand what the Holy Grail is um, you know and stories of of course themselves are deep-rooted and what it is to be a human being. You know, the classic story is ordinary person is called to an extraordinary task, must overcome um, obstacles both inside themselves and externally to meet their nemesis at the big battle and to bring back the holy grail, the boon, to those they love and who love them. I mean, isn't that the story of life? And so finding ways to tell that story in ways ways that are relevant, to a particular project, for a particular team, particular organisation, uh, I think that you know must be the leader's number one tool, both in terms of understanding what we're trying to do and communicating it outwards.
5: I love the way James tells that story about stories, and that we tell the story first, and then the story tells us. And I think for me, the stories around the impact that we're having on our patients, in from a pharmaceutical business, or from a financial services company, the impact we're having on our uh, customers, helping them to sleep easy at night, knowing that their finances are taken care of when they work with us. that Those stories are amazing if it comes from an individual. Hearing the emotion, hearing the satisfaction, hearing the difference that we've made to people's lives are incredible. And I think there's a temptation sometimes around purpose that it sounds like perfectionism and it's got to be this wonderful heady state where nothing ever goes wrong but i think to me our purpose is a promise a promise of an experience and our purpose is a commitment and it's our setting our stall out that this is the kind of business we want to be and even if we have a, a customer service complaint where something's gone wrong and we've not delivered against being that ethical business or that you know caring business then that story, even though it's a negative one, can be equally powerful in helping us to redefine and reinforce who we want to be. Because that's basically saying that this is us working below the line, this isn't acceptable. But actually look at this story from this customer that was thrilled and this particular sales agent has done an amazing job here. This is above the line, this is exactly what we want. And through these stories, people start to hear the slogan coming to life in the form of conversations and behaviors and interactions and contracts and price points and remedies of of setbacks and, and customer complaints. So that's when our purpose hits the road, if you like. That's when it comes to life. And we need those stories at every level through our organization to make sure that we can stay aligned, we can stay focused, and we can stay true to that promise that we've all set out in our purpose. So think again back to your organization's purpose. You know, why does your business exist? What impact are you having? And what are the stories both internally of how you've delivered that, But externally, with your customer, with your partners, with your um, audience, you know, what difference have you made to their lives? Those stories need to be part of every week's rhythm, a celebration of them, uh, an interrogation of them if they didn't go quite right. And that's when we start to reinforce that promise of our purpose and how we can use that to sustain success, not just in the next week, not just in the next quarter, but actually sustain it for the long term. If you're new to the podcast and you want a powerful example of how personal uh, purpose can drive long-term motivation, then go back and listen to episode eight, which is called Mandela to Mars, Lessons from Isolation. This features the story of two incredible guys that have actually passed away now, sadly. Ahmed Katrada and Dennis Goldberg, who were both anti-apartheid activists in South Africa and who spent over 22 years in prison alongside Nelson Mandela. Now, especially Ahmed Catrada. apparently there wasn't enough evidence to, to take him to court and to put him into prison, but he was so passionate about standing alongside Nelson Mandela and the other people in the Rivonia trial that he stood by them and went to prison for effectively the best part of his life to stand for that cause of overthrowing the apartheid regime and that personal purpose of wanting to make the world and make South Africa a different place was all the motivation they needed to get through the adversity, the isolation, the terrible treatment and the, the remote island of, of Robin Island out in shark-infested waters off Cape Town. So they got through that by this incredible connection to their personal and shared purpose of wanting to overthrow the apartheid regime. And of course, when they came out of prison, it was a completely different world. And their and their resilience and their solidarity as a group of men had been completely transformational. So that's one of the most powerful examples of personal purpose that I've seen in my work. Another example of how purpose can be used to sustain high performance comes from James Kerr's book and the Philosophy of Fuck Up Upper with the All Blacks. So the All Blacks, as we know, are one of the most successful teams of all time with a win ratio of between 77 and 80 percent over the hundred odd years that they've been playing. So this ability to sustain that level of success goes way beyond an individual, scrum half or an individual brilliant strategist as the coach. This is whole generations of players that have been able to sustain this high performance behaviour and culture. And it turns out that there's a philosophy that sits underneath the All Blacks team that comes from the Maori philosophy of Fakapapa, which is basically this idea of lineage and legacy that we're all connected in an unbroken chain of people back to the dawn of time. And that the sun comes down this chain of people and gives us all sunlight for a moment in time. And while we're in the sunlight, that's our time to shine and that's our time to deliver our best performance. We inherit the wisdom and the strength and the character from the past. And our job while we're in the sunlight is to make sure that we give our best so that we can pass the shirt, the all-black shirt in this particular context, onto the players that come after us, into the future chain of people, into our future lineage, we pass the shirt down to them in a better state than we found it. And whether we think about our own families with our fathers and grandfathers and forefathers down to one side and our children and our their children and our great-grandchildren unborn at the moment down the other side. I love this idea of this connected group of people that the sunlight comes down the chain of people and we all get this moment to make a difference. And you can imagine as an all-black player that you're getting past the number nine shirt and you get told the stories of the heritage and the character and the battles that that number nine shirt has faced over the last few decades. And then you get to wear that number nine shirt. This is not your shirt. This is not about you. This is about the all-blacks And this is about you handing that shirt onto the next number nine that comes after you with more stories and more integrity and more hard-fought battles. I think that's a beautiful spirit that not only captures the togetherness and the belonging and the connection of great teams, but also starts to build that accountability and that opportunity that we've got to use this purpose of passing the shirt in a better place than we found it on us as individuals to not be victims, not make excuses, but actually to grab hold of this, to make sure that we're in the best shape possible to deliver our best game and then you know let that legacy be one that we're incredibly proud of. So this idea of using this purpose, the shared purpose of elevating everyone's shirt to be the best it can be and passing it on in a better state I think is a a brilliant fusion of a collective purpose from an organization, but also that inspiring idea that it's my time in the shirt and that we have to make this count. And that personal excellence and quest for even better standards, I think, is a very, very inspiring one. So I guess the question is, m- many of us won't get the chance to put on the all black shirt as a player, but I suppose we can all ask ourselves, you know, what's the purpose of our organisation? And what does this opportunity mean to us while we're in the spotlight for our companies, going to make a difference to society, to our customers, to the environment, to the economy? You know, what difference can we really make? And when we start to connect the organization's purpose with our own motivations and our own purpose, then that's when we give that discretional effort, that's when we stay committed and that's when very special things start to happen. When we had the Q&A session at the end of this webinar that I presented for our members community, one of our members asked about how do we go about defining our personal purpose and that might be something that you're considering after all this content. And that Japanese concept of ikigai I think is a really nice place to start, which is a bit of a complicated but beautiful Venn diagram which is the overlap between the things that you love the things that the world needs the things that you can be paid for and the things that you're good at and the intersection between all of those things interlocks your passion your mission your vocation and your profession and then we get to the heart of that Venn diagram which is this magical place of ikigai which I guess is us being in our elements that we're doing something that we love, something that we're good at, something that the world needs and something that we can earn a living from. And I think I feel fortunate to be in that space. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about getting people to talk about what's made them successful, because I think when we start to understand all of our insecurities, all of our fears all of our frailties, actually, psychologically, that's all part of who we are as human beings. And that's all part of the high performance story. And I think, you know, when we look at Instagram, sometimes it all looks a bit polished, but actually I think if we want to be a high performer, then we've got to be courageous enough to embrace our weaknesses and understand some of these challenging questions that we've got to ask ourselves and our teams to be able to become high performers. And I think purpose is something that really needs more discussion and more interrogation in our organisations. Now, it's quite intangible, and that's where it's difficult. It's much easier to dissect a spreadsheet with our organisational costs or our, you know, marketing strategy being segmented. That's pretty easy to do. But these intangible elements around our mindset, around our culture, around our purpose are the things that absolutely deliver massive gain. These aren't marginal gains. These are huge gains. Yet, because they're intangible, they're quite difficult to get hold of and, and discuss and to drill down into a set of behaviours, a set of actions, a set of rituals, and a set of rhythms and routines that our business can focus on. So whether it's that concept of Vicky guy as an individual or whether it's the overall organisational purpose, then I think this is definitely something to reflect on and take back into your organization and your team. So we've covered quite a lot of areas here today with this idea of purpose driving performance. And we've seen that society and investment is starting to shift now towards more sustainable, more ethical, uh, long-term focused brands. We've seen that purpose can galvanize diverse individual talents like Cirque du Soleil. We don't know who the individual brilliant stars are, but we know that Cirque du Soleil is brilliant. Now, individually and internally, they are trying to disrupt the emotions of their audience. They're trying to inspire the audience to see what's possible with the human spirit. And I think that guiding purpose not only helps to um, you know, design each of the shows to make sure that emotional trajectory is in the show, but it also helps to keep them true to that promise. You know, have we got a moment that disrupts people's mindset about what's possible? Have we got them being curious? I love that insight from Bernard. Then we've got that attraction tool and the retention tool from Tammy Erickson. Purpose can be the way we attract and show difference to all our competitors. Maybe we are the most sustainable business. Maybe we do look after our uh, families of our employees better than anyone else, and that can attract them. And then through the stories and the projects and the community work that we do, that's the retention tool. Of course, we're making money. Of course, people are progressing in their career, but they can do that anywhere. The retention is actually being part of your discretional effort and your skill actually delivering something for society, for the environment that's going to make a difference for years to come. So Tammy Erickson says that, you know, purpose can drive that in our organizations. We heard from Sir Matthew Pinson talking about, you know, use your purpose to drive focus and decision making. So his very simple sporting analogy is, Is this making the boat go faster? If it isn't, why are we even bothering with it? And I love that simplicity. Now, I know businesses are complex, but can we go back to something like that to say, is this making our product stronger? Is this, you know, helping our customer more? If it isn't, why are we talking about it? And then we need to bring all of these things to life through storytelling. I've talked about the South African cricket team and we've heard from You know, in episode eight, please do go back and listen to that one. It's an incredible story of personal resilience from Ahmed Katrada and Dennis Goldberg. And James Kerr spoke about it so eloquently that storytelling is the lifeblood. For millennia, we've been sitting around the campfire telling each other stories and passing on these great examples of what good looks like and what bad looks like, what happened to the hero and what happened to the villain. And ultimately, what they're telling is these ethical stories of high performance and purpose-driven behavior. And we can amplify those in our business, not just talking about stats, conversion rates, and p Let's bring back those emotional touch points through stories. And then we also heard from that amazing philosophy of Faka with the All Blacks, how handing the shirt in a better place to the next generation, that legacy piece is so powerful for them. And it's kept them at the top of the world rankings you know, for over a 100 years. So that's, if it's good enough for the All Blacks, then I'm sure that's going to be good enough for most of us. So wherever you are in the world at the moment, I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode around purpose. Please do send me some suggestions. Uh, I sometimes get uh, podcasters block and think about the current themes and and what might be interesting to you. So send me an email through to hello at sportingedge.com if you've got any themes for future episodes that you'd like to hear or maybe you've got a question that you'd like to send in so just send a simple voice note just record yourself tell us your name tell us where you are tell us your question and then I'll make sure I come back with some good insight for you and share one of the expert clips as well to help you out with that particular challenge that you're facing please do come across to sportingedge.com we've got a newsletter that you can join where we share lots of our Uh, free content. LinkedIn is another great place to connect. So at the end of this, make sure you go to LinkedIn and connect with me there. I'll be very happy to welcome you into that network. And of course, our members community is crying out for you. We've got so many thought provoking insights that can help to stretch your thinking and keep you ahead of the game. So go to sportingedge.com forward slash membership and use that podcast 50 discount code in the checkout to get the first month half price and cancel any time there's absolutely no pressure to stay so for 15 pounds you could get an absolute you know bargain and huge amounts of insights that's taken the last 10 years for us to grab so um, please do go across to sportingedge.com and listen out for that so i really hope that you're well i hope that your family are well if you're in the northern hemisphere i hope that you're taking some time out over the summer break to get some downtime and really relax and recover. It's been an incredibly testing and pressurized last 12 months. So thanks so much for tuning in today. Please do share this episode with the people in your business that are involved in Purpose Generation because I think we need to start this conversation more And uh, please do send through your questions and your ideas for the next episode so that we can keep Inside the Mind of Champions as relevant and impactful as possible. So until next time, keep well and good luck.
3: Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.